Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris. His name, as always, John Daigle. Daisy, what's up, buddy? Another two-man show. Another off-season two-man show. Yeah, look, we got an email from Ian Harditz saying, I don't have cell service in Arizona, which, who knew that Arizona doesn't have Wi-Fi or cell service? The best part about that email is that underneath it's tagged, sent from his iPhone. <laughs> I don't think he thought about that one. 49 other states, and somehow Ian is pitching that Arizona is some third-world country. But he's, he has no cell phone service. He's living the life, though, so good uh, for him. Dago, I didn't know it was Bring Your Friend to Work Day. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to discuss that. <laughs> I have a friend from Texas uh-huh. visiting, his first time on the East Coast. and Name? Uh, I don't know. Oh, sure, he probably doesn't mind. Johnny is his first name. Jonathan's his first name. He didn't have to dress like the most Texas person out of Texas. <laughs> yeah. But he showed up. He showed up to the NBC studios in boots, jeans, a studded belt, and a cowboy hat. Yeah, and by boots, you mean cowboy boots. Cowboy boots, for sure. I'm certain that this is the first cowboy hat in NBC Sports HQ ever, in Sanford, Connecticut, ever. That was not some Halloween costume by, you know, 24-year-olds going to Bar Q in Stanford. No, this was real life. In person, straight from Texas, Johnny. And I love it. I love it. We, we forget that normal is always relative. So what is normal elsewhere perhaps is not normal here, but still enjoyable. It, I mean, it immediately made me think, Daigle, why didn't you show up in your first day in the same I admittedly am the worst Texan ever. So that, this is my getup. What and, you see is what you get. But every time you start a new job, it's like there's a moment you can reset and reinvent yourself and your identity. I'm just... You know, a little disappointed that it's this and not that. We talked about this off air before we started the podcast, though. If people want to see reinventing, go back to the old mock draft videos from the summer. That's true. And uh, we're looking a little tighter. We're looking a little like the season didn't happen. So uh-huh. people can enjoy that. Um, you can also see my pictures from seven years ago and see how much I've changed in that. Josh time. Norris, NBC, Google it. Nope. Don't do that. <laughs> um, immediately. You know, Rudder World has been built off news. John Daigle, News right. Blurbs is kind of the backbone of this operation. So why don't we start there with mm-hmm. the news of the week? We have a segment later on with Rotopat, a really good one, just foreshadowing. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Just stick around for it. Even Pat doesn't know what it is. So that makes it even, even the better. You know, we get to this time in the calendar, Daigle, 
and you think that the offseason is going to slow down, then on a Wednesday night, basically every single piece of news from the CBA trickles out immediately right. and kind of throws off what your plan for the podcast is. So why don't we start there? I will go through what the new CBA that has not been agreed to, but is in the works of being agreed to, entails, and then I'll let you pick it up from there. So you I, want to read off all the bullet points yes. first? Okay, go It's for a it. lot of bullet points, so stick with me, okay? okay. I will wait. First, the current NFL collective bargaining agreement is set to expire after the 2020 season. Here's what I gathered as to what might change in the new one. The league is expected to switch to a seven-team reg- game regular season um, while eliminating one of the preseason games, which means it goes down to three. That was all kind of known to this point. What we didn't know as much at the time, before Wednesday night, that the playoffs are expanded to 14 teams. Mm-hmm. That means seven the AFC, seven in the NFC. That means two extra teams are in, and only the one seed gets a bye, leading right. to six games on wildcard weekend, three on Saturday, and three on Sunday. My first initial thought, because it was me, was DFS three-game slates and six-game slates. It's interesting, though, I have seen people, analysts, reporters, I respect initially think that it makes the end of the year more competitive. And perhaps that's correct. But my initial thought was in-season becomes a conundrum because I would imagine now with 17 games, it not only is players taking their allotted bye week, but perhaps week eight or nine getting a rest in as well. Hmm. I mean, my mind went to what's the reason for all this change. Mm -hmm. And the reason is money. Of course. It's always always. Follow the money. Because this gives NFL owners one extra game during the regular season and two extra playoff games. Um, That equals dollars in owners' pockets. And most importantly, the TV deals are on the table Mm -hmm. next year. A year from now. So getting this done prior to maybe the start of the new year, which is just in about three weeks, would, again, give them a 10-year uh, window with this CBA that they can then say to networks, hey, this isn't a lockout that we're negotiating with you. We have 10 years under our belt. Pay us appropriately. But if they're attempting to get this all sorted out before the new league year on March 18th, that's what's crazy is that the rules and so many things in the immediate future, Mm -hmm. like in two weeks, change immediately for teams. They do. Uh, And to get back to your point, the number one seed is crucial now. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have seen teams rest some starters in the final week of the season. We saw it the Baltimore Ravens this year, who are the number one seed in the AFC. They sat Lamar Jackson. They played Robert Griffin III. There were many other players that sat in that contest. Yet, I mean, it's going to be a case-by-case, year-by-year, if that number one seed is so far away, like a two-game buffer, that they can still, they're still able to do that. Meanwhile, it completely changes the format and kind of the urge in some ways of, of the number two seed. Like, you, you have to play now. The Chiefs would have had to play an extra playoff game this postseason, and you wonder how different it ultimately would have ended for them not having that bye week in the first round of the mm-hmm. wild card compared to this year, which they were on a bye, they were on a break, and they were able to rest even more. And in this format, if it were to, were to occur last year, the Steelers and Rams would have been the two playoff teams. And I don't want to watch the Rams play another game, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. So I'm glad it's starting this year, perhaps. I will note, it doesn't seem like the 17-game schedule will be implemented immediately. Mike Silver suggested of NFL Network uh, in 2022. Yeah. People were mentioning 2021, that the owners wanted the players not until 2023. So it makes sense that 2022 would be that. But the 
extra playoff teams bring it to 14 would be implemented immediately in the 2020 season. And this is the first year teams can both transition and franchise tag players. Yeah. That could also change in the new CBA, which is a very big that, deal. That's a low-key important point yeah. because, you know, so many of us are talking about the Dallas Cowboys the right Cowboys now. Cowboys are the big one. Uh, and maybe even the Titans. as Patriots the, as well. Use one franchise tag and one transition tag. That could still be in use, and we don't know if that goes away in the CBA, but they could easily negotiate it out of it. And, you know, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper might want that because right. then that forces the Cowboys to pay them one of those deals. So that could have altered the plans of some of these organizations as they had heading into this offseason. It's a very big deal. You know, this 17-game schedule has been hovering over the league for quite some time. It's really the last bargaining chip that these players have. You know, mm-hmm. and 10 years is a long time. And, you know, playing football for 10 years, you know, a lot of people in the league now that are a part of the CBA aren't going to be when the next one rolls around. But what could else they have to say, no, we want more, and then we'll finally give you this in 10 years? I, I can't think of anything right now because 17 games is super important to NFL owners because, again, when the TV contracts roll around, it adds about 7% in revenue at the very least. But then it's really all that the players have in their back pocket right now. So once they give that up, and they almost assuredly will give that up, even though it's not set in stone right now, I worry and I hope that players are being compensated appropriately for that right now. And the difference was what I read from Schefter incremental, uh, 48% to the players now instead of 47. And then once it moves to a 17-game season, it becomes 48.5% of the pie to the players. But just think about like how much they're getting ripped off, honestly. Like 48.5% split over 32 53-man rosters and practice squads compared to 51% of the pie going to 31 greedy owners. It's a... And you can tell who is delivering all this information, and we appreciate everyone breaking this news, yeah. but so much of it is in monetary dollars rather than percentage points because they're saying that that jump from 47% to 48.5% is anywhere from $3 billion to $5 billion. That's a lot of money. And again, it's Correct. spread out a bunch of players, but it's also just 1.5% while the owners still have the majority in 515 to 53%. So. That's a difference. Mike Florio also pointed this out, and it was an interesting point. For years, because it's been discussed, the 17-game schedule, many, many, many players have come out against it. And, you know, we don't even have 24 hours since this news has hit, but I haven't seen many players come out against the 14-game playoff scenario either. So it gives them more opportunities to get into the dance. As we saw with a team like the Titans this year, if you can get into it and you're hot at the right time, maybe you can make it further in the playoffs. That was an interesting nugget to me that, you know, It seems like whenever new things pop up, there's always one side that disagrees with it. Mm -hmm. Voices like Richard Sherman and Russell Okung, so on and so forth. But right now, we really haven't seen anyone come out against this new playoff format. And on a much smaller scale, it just affects everything. The trickle-down is fantasy. Um, The money, as you have always talked about, the TV deals. like It literally affects everything involved. Yeah, let's not talk about a longer work season for us Uh, at this moment. There's another day for that. Where our contracts come. <laughs> Maybe 2021 is the right time for all of us. 2022 is the right time for all of us, John Tegel. I think we hit everything on the CBM. I'm just trying to go through my notes to make sure we did. Yeah, I think we did. That was good. It's a lot that was of much more efficient than I thought we were going to. And look, nothing has happened. Maybe something has happened by the time you're listening to this, because I know all the owners were called to New York in their private Thursday jets. afternoon, the time of this recording. Yeah. Yes, at, right at this moment. But who knows? I... I, I believe it was Mike Garofalo reporting that there's at least some segment of players, might have been Tom Pelissero, um, that will vote no to this no matter what. 
and just to have negotiations and discussions. The biggest thing is if it, a deal does get struck before the new league year starts, the new league year starts in just three weeks. That's, I mean, this is so different when there was a lockout. The lockout was a wild time. I had just graduated college. Mm-hmm. I had just finished my time with what the St. Louis the Rams. It was 2011. 2011, okay. Um, it was that offseason because they had the draft without having free agency. That was the draft year of all those quarterbacks going in the top 20. Your Cam Newtons, your Jake Lockers, your Blaine Gabberts, your Christian Ponders, so on and so forth. Because And they were still negotiating their deals at their time, right? They weren't allotted according to where they came off no, the No, it was that in-between period because oh, before okay. that, you, the number one player got paid like he was the number one player right. in the like league. the Stafford deal. The, yeah, the, the rookie deals had not been set in stone. Mm-hmm. At that time. But it was just a wild time where teams were heading. Like, think about if all these teams had to draft right now without having gone through free agency. Some people want it that way, but that would turn the league kind of on its head in terms of the offseason. It was a a wild time. All right, let's move on. We had some movement already across the NFL. Veteran tight end Greg Olson has moved on from the Carolina Panthers, who he was mutually parted ways with, and now has gone over to the Seattle Seahawks. Agreed on a one-year contract. $7 $7 million, a deal includes $5.5 million guaranteed. Daigle, this move to me just screams Greg Olson's last attempt to get a ring. Will Disley, I know the most recent report was that he's going to be ready for week one, but also perhaps that he may not be, and this is insurance. We know Greg Olson had a deal on the table. We know when he was healthy, the Panthers rolled him out as a starting tight end. We're not scared to play him to the absolute core. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see if the Seahawks feel that way as well. One note, this is where Russell Wilson finished in target rate to his tight ends in the red zone over the last four seasons. Eighth, first, 15th and 21st, and I would argue the bottom fell out last year because they lacked stability given Disley's injury and then Hollister getting called up from the practice squad. Um, but remember, Disley was the number six tight end in fantasy. He played very well. For those first six weeks, and it wasn't because he blew teams away with a 4-8-40 or ninth percentile spark score. It's because they actually designed plays for him behind the line of scrimmage, over the middle of the field, downfield. They used their tight ends. Greg Olson has played in 30 of 48 games over the last three seasons, had 82 targets, 52 receptions, 597 yards, and two touchdowns last season. I I totally agree with you. Like, adding the combination of Will Disney and Greg Olson makes sense. And it's noteworthy that the Seahawks weren't the only team interested in Greg Olson. I mean, he took visits to Buffalo. He took visits to Washington. It sounded like all three of those teams offered him contracts. So he was a commodity out in the open market prior to free agency. And one year and $7 million, that's not cheap. I mean, they, they are signing a veteran player to come in and play. I highly doubt we see Greg Olson on the field for 80-plus percent of the snaps if Will Disley and Jacob Hollister and whoever else stay healthy. But he is someone that can be a 1A or 1B in that tight end group. I just hope it doesn't mean that we lose targets to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett along the way. Well, remember, though, uh, Jacob Hollister is actually a restricted free agent. So I would imagine this, back. this just means you think even if a team tries to sign him, um, I would say they don't match the deal. You know, I don't get that much information, and it's odd that through the, grapevine, through the grapevine you hear things about Jacob Hollister, but I've heard that Brian Schottheimer is a very big fan of Jacob okay. Hollister. That's all I need to hear. Let's put it that way. Next up, there's been a lot of news on Joe Burrow. I want to play you, John Daigle, this clip of audio, because this is partially what people are reacting to, and then I want us to react to it. This is a long process, right? And they have their process that they have to go through, and so I'm just blessed to be in the position that I'm in. If, if they select me, they select me. I'm going to do everything in my power to be the best football player that I can be. So 
respectfully, that answer could be kind of cut up and parsed and say, well, he doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to go, he isn't okay with it. The way I perceive it is that he didn't say yes. Is that wrong? There's a long process the next couple of months. Um, <laughs> That's fair. You know, it's, we have the combine, we have pro day. There's, there's a long time until the draft. And, you know, there's a lot of information, a lot of different places, a lot of people saying a lot of things, but I'm just focused on training right now. If I had set this up better, and that was from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, I should mention, this is all in relation to the Cincinnati Bengals having the number one pick. Cincinnati has long been this organization that has been looked down upon by a lot of other fan bases, even their own fan base in some scenarios. So right now there's just a lot of conversation of if Joe Burrow should pull an Eli Manning and force his way to another team rather than be selected number one to the Bengals here. Quick aside, is Joe Burrow like the coolest, most calm person you've ever Well, he's seen? older for a draft prospect. Right. I think that matters. Like Kyler Murray last year was the number one overall pick and Kyler Murray was like 21 years old, I believe. Uh, Joe Burrow is 23 or 24. I believe he's a month older, three months older than Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So that helps about. during this process to have that maturity. And he's also already transferred, changed teams during his collegiate career. So it's not like this is I all like new suave, to him. Like the cigar photo reeks anytime he talks. Like you can tell he's that <laughs> suave in every aspect of life. Anyhow, though, if you were watching that video on our YouTube clip that, from this podcast, then you would notice that second question is important because even he's eyeing down Mac Engel during the question. They both know what's going on. He can't answer because he doesn't want to answer because it truly is a process. You can tell the wheels are turning and he is thinking about, I still have a lot more research to do about this organization and I'm not going to declare anything. I think a lot's being made about a little right now. And that's just what happens during this time of the season. Sure. If you think a year ago, I was just mentioning Kyler Murray. Remember that Dan Patrick interview he had at the Super Bowl where he like basically said zero words in 15 minutes span mm-hmm. of time? And then there was this whole conversation of, well, does Kyler Murray actually want to play baseball? Does he want to do both? And it was almost exactly a year ago when Kyler Murray declared that he's only going to play football. We don't even remember that. But there was a huge draft storyline at this time last year. And it's because nothing else is going on during this time. I totally agree with you that this is Joe Burrow being interviewed on camera, on mic, about topics he really doesn't want to talk about. I think it's advisable when you don't want to talk about a topic, you say nothing and you try to say nothing. He's not saying yes. He's not saying no. He's saying absolutely zero. And I think that's totally okay. And that should not be misconstrued as leaning one way or the other at this time. If you recall, though. It's probably a lot to, to make about a little, but still, let's walk through this. If you recall, Carson, job. Carson Palmer, one month ago on CBS Sports Radio, said the quote, uh, that's why I wanted out of the Bengals, of course. I never felt like the Bengals organization was really trying to win a Super Bowl and really chasing a Super Bowl. 24 hours later, Joe Burrow connects with Jordan Palmer, Carson's brother, to train with him ahead of the draft. Yeah. Also, 24 hours later, Joe Burrow goes on the Dan Patrick show and says, you want to go number one, but you also want to go to a great organization that is committed to winning and committed to winning Super Bowls. Again, perhaps nothing, but maybe a little something. Again, I just feel like he's not saying anything, which is what he should be doing at this time. I do wonder, despite what he's saying, I wonder what's happening behind the scenes, though, because if Carson Palmer was willing to air those grievances publicly, like, what, yeah, but, but what that's is he been, saying? But that's been a super public fiasco for a long time. Of course. Honestly, I feel like our energy, the Bengals fan base energy, 
the football collective universe mm-hmm. energy should be directed at Mike Brown to sell this football team with the Bengals because sure. they're not going anywhere with him as an owner. Like, and it's been that way forever. They are the most reactive organization in the league that devotes, it seems like, the littlest amount to winning football games. And it's bad. I mean, yeah. there's only 32 of these across the league. <clears throat> and he's in charge of one. And unless they had Chad Johnson, TJ Hushmanzada, and Carson Palmer, they've done very, very little. And that was so long ago. I mean, I know they made the playoffs with Andy Dalton and so on and so forth. But this is a team that is not forward-thinking at all. And, again, right now we're sitting here, February 20th. Of course the number one pick in the draft isn't going to say, oh, I definitely want to go to the Bengals, because we've seen that conversations start with trades at the Combine. It did with the then, or I guess it was the L.A. Rams Mm -hmm. and the Philadelphia Eagles moving up to picks one and two to get Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. All those conversations started because in Indy, the two boxes of the two teams were directly next to each other. So there's no reason to say anything more than two months away from the draft right now. That's my only point. It's fair. And also, like, from our perspective, we, we've said this before, but we just still don't know who Zach Taylor is. We still don't know what, like, yeah. what the Bengals are at all. It's a very just odd situation. Maybe nothing, though. Let's close out with one of the more veteran players in the league this new cycle. Adrian Peterson is back with the Washington Redskins. The Redskins exercised APADs, 2020 option, just $3 million. Um, it's his age 35 season. What do we make of Adrian Peterson right now in this era where some running backs don't even make it to their age 30 season in the NFL? Adrian Peterson really had some nice moments in 2019. And if you recall, once Bill Callahan took over last year, that was an 11-game stretch that Adrian Peterson averaged 15.5 carries per game and, more impressively, 4.62 yards per carry. Like, at his age, that's insanity. I was thinking about it. I'm curious to get your opinion because I still, for my money, believe he's the greatest running back or the best one I've watched, I should say. Hmm. I don't want to start an argument about the greatest running back of all time, but he's definitely the greatest I've ever seen. He entered the NFL at the right time. Like, if he entered the NFL... In today's league, I don't think he would be as great as he was because of how important the passing game is and how he's kind of been, I'm not going to say a zero in the passing game, but he's been at best league average in the passing game. And you remember how Brad Childress refused to play him over Chester Taylor initially, so they put him on kickoff returns and he'd just take it back 50 yards every time? Don't get me wrong. I do want to mention that this is now with Ron Rivera in charge of the Washington Redskins and Offensive play calling duty to Scott Turner, who obviously worked with his dad, Norv, in Carolina. What do we know about the running back position with Norv and Scott Turner with the Panthers? Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. that's what we know. One back on the field for 90-plus percent of the time, and maybe the back that is best in the passing game across the NFL. That doesn't scream to me Adrian Peterson. I mean, to be fair, it doesn't scream to me Darius Geis either. So Scott Turner is going to have to change what he has been used to these last few years in keeping one back on the field for that majority of time and that being the identity of your offense. I'm not saying that he can't do it with the Redskins. What I am saying is that it's just going to be quite different than what he's been doing the past few years. I would argue Darius Geis is that player. The question is for how many games, given Mm. the red flags of injuries. And remember, Chris Thompson, unrestricted free agent, probably not coming back. So they will still have a little more to shore up in that backfield beyond this. So if that does happen to Darius Geis, then Adrian Pearson better be in store for 10% of the snaps this season? I mean, because that's not going to happen either. You know, something's going to change. Something's going to change. Sure. And most likely it's going to be Scott Turner's usage at the running back spot and not throwing to running backs nearly as often as, as they did in Carolina. And remember, if you go to rotoworld.com slash 
shameless plug, you'll see that the unaccounted four carries tracker, the Washington Redskins were number three, most vacated carries from last year, re-signed Adrian Peterson, and now they're sitting at number 16. Yeah, and Tom Pelissero, who, you know, Rotoworld described as NFL.com's Tom Pelissero. I feel like he does work there, but I constantly see him on NFL Network, so it feels... More of a network guy. A little yeah. bit of a slight on their... Uh, I think it was just an error. Well, clean that up, please. Yeah, yeah you, you can clean go it. back into the, the content management system and... Rotopat, Pat Darty, if you're out there. Let's go, Rotopat. You, he... are, you are the man now. It's... Is he... Well, we don't know that officially. The though. HBIC? He is one of the men. I mean, he's been there the longest. He's one of the greatest uh, fantasy writers in the game great at Twitter, and uh, he writes the rankings, so that, to me, who, who does the rankings? That's kind of how you know, Dan. The power rankings? The yes. No, like the no, like I do rankings. the power rankings at .com here, so that's that's where it starts, the chain I'm saying. going on down. Yeah, it's a similar thing in the uh, Roto world. I agree. Okay. Well, that floated away. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. Mark Sessler. Yes, those are the lovely tones of the heroes of the Around the NFL podcast. Mark Sessler, Dan Hansis, and Greg Rosenthal, and boy, oh boy, was that the bump from Greg Rosenthal to uh, the quote-unquote number, number one, one here at Roto World. Uh, I guess we had to get him on the podcast. If he is the number one, Patrick Doherty, what's your response? Well, I'm going to take people behind the curtain of the, our podcast real quick. We had audio issues, so I got to listen to the clip twice today. And frankly, I would listen to it five or six times. <laughs> and despite being a rather lengthy clip, I didn't think it was long enough. Yep. Um, just keep going, guys. Keep going. Yeah, number one, greatest ever. You know, just the best tweeter, I think they said, in the history of the Internet. Just keep going. Yep. Um, so just like the Grinch, does like his, his heart grows three sizes. Does your head grow like three or four sizes larger each time you hear that clip, Pat? I mean... My mop top gains three inches every time. Um, I learned some things yes. from that clip, though. Uh, I finally learned what CMS stood for in content management system. I actually um, didn't know either. Yeah, and then I did Dan, not know that. Yeah, and then Dan Hansis referred to you as the HBIC. That's also known as the lady boss, Pat, if, if I'm putting that into the correct translation. Um, but on, on this theme, you know, of people maybe we need to bring down to earth a little bit. Pat, I think we're going to do that to you throughout this, ep- throughout this segment. Um, I thought it would be best to do that with NFL teams or players or, or people in general mm-hmm. around the league. That's our theme for this segment. Pat, why don't we turn to you first? Who needs to be brought down to earth just a little bit? All I'm going to say about the Tennessee Titans is that it was 9-7 and seven with Ryan Tannehill. Like, let's just not get too crazy about this. It was really cool. It was a nice little run. Sure, it required something a running back had literally never done before and having 180 rushing yards in three straight games. Uh, sure, it required Ryan Tannehill you know, momentarily not being Ryan Tannehill. Uh, not trying to sell Ryan Tannehill too short, but it was it was 9-7 Ryan Tannehill. That's all I'm saying. We can build off of this if you're the Tennessee Titans, but let's not go crazy. That's 9-7 Ryan Tannehill is not my idea of like renewable NFL energy. And I'm going to need to see a larger sample size before I buy into the Tanisans, basically. <laughs> it's also a unique situation for the Titans in general because unlike the Cowboys who had a year to a year and a half to think about their free agency and situation coming up, the Titans had, what, nine weeks pretty much to, fi- to try and figure it out? Because Tannehill, as we know, came off the bench, was traded for pennies, and it just unexpectedly occurred that he was the number one quarterback from play action, played immensely <laughs> down the stretch, obviously. Yeah. Daigle, couldn't I flip this on its head, though, and say that, well, because Ryan Tannehill didn't join the Titans until, what, week six as the starting quarterback, mm-hmm. couldn't I then say, well, what if he is the starting quarterback for 16 weeks, Pat? I mean, this was 
there's a segment of football Twitter right now that believes Ryan Tannehill is like a top five or top ten quarterback. Our own Chris Sims says he's much rather have Ryan Tannehill than Tom Brady mm-hmm. right now. I mean, he, he truly was the number one play-action passer in the NFL. What, what do you say to that, Pat? Because I think the, the other side of this equation is just as easy to argue. I mean, kidding aside, I mean, what we saw was amazing coaching. We saw a coaching staff catering to a player's strengths. Ryan Tannehill is amazing off play action, had some really great play action weapons at his disposal, too. And, you know, they maximized their player strengths. To me, what I saw with Ryan Tannehill, though, was still the glaring weaknesses. He does not have an internal clock. He just doesn't have an internal clock. Like, he just, I don't know if he'll ever have that feel for the pocket or the feel for the rush. And, you know, he, he hit some big plays down the field, but I still saw, like, a very uneven downfield passer and what I basically saw was someone getting as much as you can possibly get out of Ryan Tannehill and maybe you can keep that going for two or three years but I don't think we're going to look at like an utterly transformed Ryan Tannehill going forward we're just looking at a maximized Ryan Tannehill and that's an NFL level starter but I don't think this is going to be like a franchise changing moment the Titans discovering Ryan Tannehill mine is a bit of a different situation because I just think Jordan Reed is a little too confident in his health right now. And personally, I would just like him to walk away and stay healthy. Because recently, uh, Ben Steddig from the Washington Post reported that he has been cleared from concussion pro- protocol. His most recent one, as we know, happened in August. His seventh in as many seasons, crazy enough. Uh, but he still has told people close to him, Reed, that he's going to come back and play for another team no. once Washington expectedly uh Uh, releases him in coming days and it's just a situation you know Reed hasn't started over 10 games in any season his career he hasn't played 16 games because of his health issues and so more to the point I would just like him to walk away with his career 32.6 million earnings right now at a healthy stage in life kind of like how Andrew Luck sailed away and we never heard from him again because he's happy somewhere first of all John Daigle yes we'll leave it to you to get very dark in this segment uh (laughs) second yeah, I mean, this because is I want happiness. This is the only correct move to make. And look, I am never of the belief that me sitting here next to you in this small studio, that I should advise any NFL player to do anything. Same. Uh, right? But it, this makes sense. I mean, this is a player who, when on the field, was one of the more exciting tight ends across the league. Did things at the position, yards after the catch, making people miss was kind of one of the true wide receivers in a tight end body that we've seen across the league. But, Pat, it's just been proven that right now his ability to be available is just not there. And I'm not sure even if another team would take a chance at him when the Redskins do let him go, Pat. You kind of hinted at the end there. He was kind of one of the – van. he was a special player at the vanguard of, like, the latest transformation of the tight end position. I mean, all I'll say is, I mean – Still, you know, no one knows Jordan Reed's body better than Jordan Reed. No one knows it better, you know, than his doctors. Uh, maybe not the Redskins doctors, but uh, they have since hired a new medical staff. But uh, so, so, I mean, it, it, clearly, it's still the player's decision. But yeah, sitting where we are, uh, it certainly seems like a no-brainer. Where Jordan Reed is given it all he's had, um, but he's taken lumps that you know no athlete should ever have to take. Basically, for our, you know, especially for you know, this is just a game for our entertainment and. It is probably time for Jordan Reed to step away. Yeah, and 14 games in the 2015 season, Jordan Reed had 114 targets, 
87 receptions, 952 yards, and 11 touchdowns. One of the best players in football that the year. The argument is simply he has nothing left to prove. Nothing. And now it is your responsibility to pick us back up. Good luck. <laughs> Let's go this. Um, <laughs> we need to bring the Houston Texans back down to earth. Fair. Uh, this might be a difficult argument to make, but I'm absolutely going to make it. I know that this Houston Texans team has Deshaun Watson, and he always plays in close games, and they never get blown out because Deshaun is involved. But I continue to be wildly nervous about Thanos O'Brien. More and more and more power does Bill O'Brien continue to obtain. And I'm not sure if that's the correct direction for this Texans team to be taken. I mean, we saw it this past offseason. He was willing to trade picks, willing to cut players immediately week to week if they just made one single mistake. Pat, there are very, very few people in football who can be a head coach, game plan the offense, and be the lead decision maker for rosters. And Bill O'Brien is now attempting to be that. And this team also doesn't have a first and a third rounder. It's really scary for me that this team is going to take a step back after, what, 10 and 6 this season. Listen, there are certain things you just always do in the American economy. And one of them is if you blow a 24 to nothing lead in the divisional round, you automatically promote yourself to general manager. That's really just kind of how it works. Um, yeah, I don't think we can really bring Bill O'Brien down to earth like any better than he does himself. Uh, something I wrote about Bill O'Brien earlier this offseason, does, does anyone make winning feel more like losing than Bill O'Brien does? Because, like, objectively, this was, like, a great season. They went 11-5. and five. Their young franchise quarterback took another step forward. They had a They rallied, had a huge win on the road in the playoffs. And then they kind of went toe-to-toe with the Super Bowl champions in the divisional round for a half. But this with Bill O'Brien, this is like any time you dig even remotely uh, beneath the surface, you find so many things that you do not like, of which you just cataloged. And yeah, this, I don't know how he's keeping it going so long, but this has all the feel of like a house of cards that is going to collapse in very ugly fashion at some point in the near future. I've said it before, and I'll continue saying it, the long-term vision is just simply lost. He's, yeah. he's building a short-term team, which is not even prepared to win in the short term. Well, look, in the short term, it might be decent. They have $64 million in cap space. Again, Bill O'Brien's the one who's going to spend that, and that number can get even bigger. But here's my question. I mean, who are the superstars? You obviously have Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. You trade a lot for Laramie Tunsil, um, and he's your left tackle. But we had seen that J.J. Watt's coming off another injury. I think Justin Reed, a safety, is like just on the cusp of being a superstar. But... This roster is kind of devoid of talent or top-tier talent at a lot of positions. Um, and I'm also – and you mentioned this, Pat. I'm concerned about his game plan week to week. Like, he makes it look so difficult. Like, the, the primary reads are just never open for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and from me, this seat sitting here, that's because Bill O'Brien scripts nothing open for him and just relies <laughs> on this playmaker mentality. Nothing is easy. Everything seems covered, and that should not happen in 2019 and 2020 of an NFL season, Pat. No, and I would say that's maybe a bigger concern almost than his GMing, which is a huge concern. And just like maybe is like one, if we're going to say any word like in favor of Bill O'Brien, is that maybe we've been conditioned as sports fans like to become too obsessed with the long term plan. You know, maybe we should commend the team actually trying to like go all in on every year. But just with the way the, you know, the NFL is structured, this is not a sustainable model. And yeah, I, but I worry more about Bill O'Brien, like I said, on Sundays, more than I worry about him in the front office. And I worry about him in the front office a lot. Yeah. And I worry about him having to do all of it. Uh, one more point before I send it back to you, Pat. Also, let's look at their division last year. 
The Colts saw their franchise player retire after, during the third preseason <laughs> game. The Jaguars had their big free agent quarterback get injured in week one. And the Titans were playing the wrong quarterback until week six. That's not going to happen again in 2020 either. So it was just, I think, a recipe for success. And you have a great quarterback and a great wide receiver that were able to mask a lot of flaws. I just don't know if this trajectory continues that the Houston Texans are going to be as good in 2020 as they were uh, in 2019. Why don't we do the reverse, guys? Um, we talked about players and teams and everything else that we need to bring down to earth. What about players or teams that we want to boost their ego a little bit? Pat, why don't you kick us off? I'm doing Carson Wentz, which actually maybe I just realized is a terrible idea because <laughs> one of one of last offseason's like kind of like absurd offseason storylines was Carson Wentz being a bad leader with a huge ego. Uh, like something he didn't even deny, uh, so maybe I shouldn't be boosting his ego. But it was a very strange year for Carson Wentz. You know, he went into the season. It's kind of like it was like kind of a, one of the favorite like dark horse MVP candidates. Like that was a recurring Twitter meme. Like don't count Carson Wentz out of the MVP race. Uh, and then everyone got hurt, and he was bad for like uh, half the season, maybe two thirds of the season. And like kind of the questions, you know, Carson Wentz is only his fourth year in the league, but he's old. He was old for a fourth year pro. Like kind of questions were really kind of starting to percolate about Carson Wentz. Like, is he ever going to put it all together? You know, is he ever going to actually start a playoff game? Uh, but then, so like, but kind of when he was at his lowest ebb last year, uh, when everyone's hurt, you know, the Eagles are playing them, them, themselves out of the playoff race. Uh, he averages 300 yards over their final five games with Greg Ward as his number one receiver. <laughs> and like, just really, really stepped up and put the offense on his back the way you need to see if a franchise quarterback needs to be capable of. You can't really do that for 16 games. Like, you have to have the weapons, but he put his offense on his back uh, at the most important time of the season and you know, reasserted why he's a franchise player, why people think he could be an MVP-type quarterback. And, uh, yeah, just let's just, let's, uh, I'm basically I'm getting the Dark Horse MVP Carson Wentz conversation started earlier this offseason than it was last offseason. And the Eagles were a popular Super Bowl pick not only because of Carson Wentz, but because, and I as well, wrong, obviously, uh, because their depth from 53rd man all the way down, uh, just a terrific roster. And I don't think that's changed much, honestly. Not only that, but they'll go into the offseason looking to address a deep threat, adding another one that can stay healthy, and a cornerback, more importantly. So they'll come back, I would imagine, just as strong. Yeah, I always think Carson Wentz gives you a chance. Honestly, this team should not have made the playoffs this year. Um, no. It was just, honestly, on the shoulders of Carson Wentz in many ways that they were able to do that. There were a couple games towards the end of the season, Pat, that he just took over and made some unbelievable throws to absolute nobodies who were on practice squads and uh, camp cuts at the end of training camp that he was making ridiculous throws to. And I think that speaks to who Carson Wentz is as a player. Um, I know that there's like some segment of the football world that still refuses to give him credit. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, and just how he is able to create outside of structure, I was able to create in his own. It's almost unmatched across the league. Pat, anything else to say or should we move on? So can I, I just want to get one storyline yeah, trending. Uh, so John alluded to the Eagles have really been struggling to find a deep threat, something an element that has just really been missing from their offense. Mike Wallace didn't pan out. Deshaun Jackson got hurt. Let's get Brashad Perriman hmm. to the Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. That's all yep. I'm going to say. Cheaper Robbie Anderson. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> uh, as we continue to boost people's egos, Daigle, who needs to pick me up? So, I understand this man recently went 3 of 11 for 36 yards oh, in a no. pick <laughs> in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Oh, no. And I understand it's still impossible to spell his last name without first citing it. But... Jimmy Garoppolo is still in a terrific situation with the Niners. One, 
I would argue they are bringing back an improved receiving corps. Yes, Emmanuel Sanders is probably gone in free agency, but they'll have Trent Taylor, who I'm going to argue is better at separating right Ooh. now than Emmanuel Sanders was. This is my guy. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Remember also they're adding Jalen Hurd, who's going to threaten multi-position eligibility in fantasy, and I believe is still a special player. He's Garoppolo is still devilishly handsome. And that helps. he went, <laughs> more importantly, he went 90 for 130 on third down, the money down, finishing with the second highest completion rate. Hmm. Also, 16 touchdowns in the red zone. Listen, I used to be a Jimmy Garoppolo like fan account, like at number one Jimmy Garoppolo fan on Twitter. But uh, I mean, I was already basically out. I'm, I'm out, out after he missed that pass to Emmanuel Sanders in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, and th- that's like my scientific analysis. And it, it's over for me and Jimmy. Um, Maybe it's not fair for me, Pat, because like I just think that Jimmy is who he is. And he's existing in, in this offense. And I wonder now, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, like, there's barely any guaranteed money on his contract at the, the next three years. Don't say it. I'm not saying <laughs> that they're going to move on, <laughs> but that possibility is always there. You know, like if a Kirk Cousins rolls around. or I think Jimmy Garoppolo is, is solid when the protection is great, and the protection was great this year. He can work through his progressions, which he does, and it helps that he has a – mind like Kyle Shanahan who's opening up routes and crossers everything over the middle of the field that helps tremendously but what always separates to me and it's interesting we're going from Carson Wentz to Jimmy Garoppolo here because you have one who when everything is going against him on a play can still create something in Carson Wentz to do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo can do that three to five times a game especially when it needs it most and that's the question I always go back to with Jimmy G and I don't know what the answer is I I meant yes as in that's the question you always go back to. We've talked about that every single week. Yep. And it obviously was highlighted in an island game that the world was watching in the fourth quarter. Imagine that. But that moment was emphasized. And just the fact his third down stats alone I think are important. So if I'm paying that much money to the Leeds' most expensive chain mover, I'm okay with that. Hmm. Uh, he is saying Jimmy Garoppolo. Go ahead, Pat. I just got to say in Jimmy Garoppolo, like I talk about Carson Wentz, you know, a franchise quarterback creates offense even like when the situation – like it's not ideal as it was not for Carson Wentz. It, like another thing they do is you know you can't you can't caught you can't give the game away. And Jimmy Garoppolo just seemed too much like a quarterback capable of giving games away last year. He didn't because the talent around him was incredible. The play calling around him is incredible, but he did he seemed he just really wilts in the face of, of pressure. And to me, I just I, I, when I think of Jimmy Garoppolo, I think of a quarterback can give the game away, and I just I'm kind of out on him. Once again, I mean, and the Super Bowl feels like it was three months ago, but. It, it was the definitive example of a player that you can win the Super Bowl with. Like, we saw it for three quarters. You can win the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, but everything has to go according to plan. And then even for two and a half quarters, if it doesn't go to the plan for someone like Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, go and find yourself a Patrick Mahomes, that's difficult. But someone like that where he can make plays out of nothing, he can string 21 points together in a quarter, um, that's much easier for a team like that with Mahomes to do than a team like with Jimmy to do. Anyways, that's just my point. Um, it's funny, though. We're going from Carson Wentz to, G- to Jimmy Garoppolo to, I'm going to close with uh, Jared Goff and the oh, no. L.A. Rams. What a trio <laughs> of quarterbacks we were talking about. Um, I think last season was the floor for the Rams and Sean McVay at 9-7. and seven. Obviously, this offseason, they need to get Andrew Whitworth under contract. But this is very much a team that is going to come back together to get the band back together for the 2020 season. 
And I truly believe, based on all the news that is happening right now, that Sean McVay is taking this offseason extremely seriously. He's spending just one day in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, immediately returning back to Los Angeles to focus on his system with new OC Kevin O'Connell and new defensive coordinator in Brandon Staley, both under 40 years old, firing a legend, maybe even a Hall of Famer, in Wade Phillips as his DC, who is not running a bad defense, Mm -hmm. but he wants to change more week to week. John Daigle. We saw when the Rams went to the Super Bowl, Sean McVay ran, you know, 11 personnel 90 plus percent of the time, did very much the same thing week to week, game to game. That's not what he's doing anymore. I bet when we roll into 2020, you're going to see a very different offense than the one that we saw throughout the 2019 season for Sean McVay and a rejuvenated young coach who at one time was believed to be like the young genius of the NFL, and he's out to prove a point. And I like a Sean McVay that's out to prove a point. And while I agree with you and still respect the hell out of Sean McVay, the contracts still tie that organization to the ground. Todd Gurley's deal, Jalen Ramsey's pending deal. How do you? How, Jared Goff, his contract bumps up to thirty-six million this year. How do you escape all this and bring back Whitworth and continue to help out the rest of your uh, starting eleven on the defensive side of the ball? It's rough. Well, I, I sometimes believe, and I'm no capologist, that the cap is like this hovering cloud that we all get so nervous Just about. Ask the Saints yeah. that really can be managed and mangled to whatever you want it to be. So I'm not overly worried because I think, Pat, this Rams team is very talented. You know, I've had my things to say about Jared Goff. Obviously, the Todd Gurley contract doesn't look great. That offensive line needs a lot of help. But you have pieces like Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, you, Cooper Cup. You have pieces on defense with Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive player in the league. Jalen Ramsey, who can be in that argument maybe next season. This is a team that's one of the most loaded across the NFL, Pat, with a coach that is on a mission to prove all of us wrong. They're just one big contract away. I can feel it. Just one more mega deal. Um, I, so the salary cap is usually not a thing. As we know, teams kind of can just conjure space out of thin air. The Rams are really, really going to test that theory this offseason when it comes to improving their roster. And you know, it's interesting. Like he, when did you mention the coordinator changes? Uh, it, a lot of ways, it's a bold move. I mean, a lot of ways, it could be just like a reckless, kind of arrogant move. I mean, the odds that they're going to improve upon Wade Phillips as their defensive coordinator with you know, this unknown, I mean, are pretty slim. And you, Jericho, it was with Sean McVay. I almost see someone like he's not, not that he's panicking, but like I, I just don't know if this is the back against the wall reaction I wanted from the Rams mm. and Sean McVay. Um, it's going to be, and I just don't know. We might have beyond the salary cap. The Rams might have another, even more unfixable issue, and that is Jared Goff. I mean, we saw like unless his protection is pristine, we just saw a quarterback you know that just can't hack it last year. And like Sean McVay might be out of Jared Goff, smoke and mirrors, and the Rams are going to be one of the most fascinating teams in the NFL in 2020. Yep, I agree. Great. And again, when we boost egos, we say it's not back against the wall approach here from Sean McVay. It's a proactive approach. And maybe watch out for Darrell Henderson. No. Maybe. All right, John. Oh, maybe. That's, that's where we ended. You already boosted his ego more than was necessary. Through the door right year. now. Uh, okay. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. I will be back next week. Not mm-hmm. here. Not sitting next to you, Daigle. Sorry about that. It's okay. I'll be in Indianapolis sitting next to Hayden Winks. More um, handsome. For we'll sure. have, you know, there will be episodes on Tuesday. There will be episode on Thursday next week as well. Uh, it's not going to be as clean as the times right now, but you will have two episodes next week. Plus, I'm planning, because all of you enjoyed it last year, do like 10 to 12-minute recaps 
on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the four days of on-field workouts of the Combine as well. That whole schedule has completely changed. All the workouts are at night from like 4 to 11, so I have no idea what my schedule is going to be like, but, you know, we got to put content out because that's our job, John Daigle. That's your job. Pat, thanks for joining us. you got to leave in the recently engaged Hayden Winks, by the way. That's true. Uh, congratulations, Hayden. Yeah, maybe we can give you some pointers. Um, all right, it's going to do it for us. Again, two episodes next week. Stick with us then. Up the villa. Talk to you all soon. Tell okay. one friend. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.